Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number eight of the Recruitment Website Show with me, Mark Wilkinson. And with me, Keith Devon. How are you doing this morning, Mark? This afternoon? Not this afternoon, morning. yeah. I'm not so bad, thank you. Not so bad. Um, excited about the show, actually. It should be good. I think it should be yep. lots of good good stuff to get through. So There is a you. lot to get through, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would uh, just... Before we start, I just want to say, just in case anything goes wrong during the show, it's probably because I'm at home with a pearly little girl. Uh, so, yeah, she may come <laughs> running in at some point, but hopefully not. Because, <laughs> uh, like I said, we've got, got a lot to get through today, but this is the realities of uh, yeah. working from home with a pearly child. So, um, Definitely. Shall we get cracking? Is there any other housekeeping before we start? Well, I think just before we start, obviously, if you are joining us live on LinkedIn or on YouTube, thank you very much for doing so. Um, please let us know who you are and where you're from. And if you do have any questions about today's topic, which is recruitment website SEO, mm-hmm. then please let us know in the comments. We will try and, uh, and answer those um, as we can um, where it sort of makes sense. So, yeah, yep. do let us know on there. So let's um, let's get cracking then. Recruitment website SEO. I guess the first thing to mention, Keith, is just in case people don't know, what is SEO? Uh, Yeah, I'm assuming most people tuning in today probably do know, but uh, it is search engine optimization, uh, and that is optimizing your website, your content, and other best practices in order to rank as high as possible in search engines for terms that you choose basically trying to generate traffic from organic search and it's important to differentiate this from search engine marketing which is paid search this is organic search so like search traffic you don't pay for yeah and today's show is all about organic isn't it there's nothing that we mentioned really that's about paid search and paying for adverts and so forth so that's important to probably say that as well yep exactly Um, i think it's probably important to mention as well that i don't think we would call ourselves seo experts um no but we do have a fundamental grounding of what helps with SEO through our, I don't know, whatever it is, 15 years experience of building websites. Yeah. So I think we've got a good place to talk from in that aspect. But um, there are probably people that know more about each of these little topics we're going to talk about today than us. And certainly it might be useful to speak to them if you are interested in those areas in more detail. Yeah. And also, uh, we were talking before before the show, it might be cool to have a follow-up episode actually talking yeah. with some seo uh professionals um especially if, there, if we can find someone who's got specific recruitment expertise so yeah, watch sure. out for a future show uh on that let's get started right so we've got um one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven sections to go through today hopefully so let's get started with the first one which is kind of the fundamental thing that underpins all of this stuff we're going to talk about uh, and that is keyword research. So the first thing that you should be doing if you want to improve your SEO on your recruitment website is keyword research. And this is something that Keith has looked into a lot to help us as a business. And therefore, I'm going to let him take the stage here because this is not particularly my area of expertise. And I'm going to ask questions for things I don't understand. And hopefully that's going to help you out. So well, again, go, yeah, we were we were talking. It was really interesting because we were talking about this uh, this morning. And it dawned on me that something that I completely took for granted as being kind of obvious isn't. <laughs> so I think this is um, because this is such a pivotal part of uh, the SEO equation. I think we might dwell on this for a while, but let's let's quickly jump into some definitions. I pulled these definitions from the Backlinko blog, 
um, which I'll probably reference time and time again during today's show because it is my absolute favorite source of SEO advice. Um, but they say keywords or key phrases or terms added to online content in order to improve search engine rankings for those terms. Uh, and I'll just define keyword research as well, uh, taken from the same blog. Keyword research is the process of discovering words and phrases, aka keywords that people use in search engines like Bing, Google, Bing, and YouTube. So that's what keywords are, and that's what keyword research broadly is. So essentially, keyword research is trying to find terms relevant to your business and relevant to your customers that your customers or in the, in the sense of recruitment, maybe clients and candidates search for. So things that they're searching for so that you can rank for them. And the reason we want to do that is because you need to know there's no point in going through the rest of what we're going to talk about today and having a highly, highly optimized website, highly optimized web pages, loads of great content. If, if none of that is focused towards answering questions and uh, targeting keywords that people actually search for, you can have the best content in the world answering a really, really niche question. But if nobody's asking that question in Google, then that's quite a lot of wasted effort. Whereas if you can find keywords that people are using and searching for uh, and target those and optimize your site for those, you're much more likely to be getting good qualified traffic to your website. Does that help okay. at all? Any, any, any first questions, Mark? Um, yeah, it, it sounds as though Google is, I'm using Google as a generic search engine here or keywords, but it sounds as though they are telling me what to write then rather than me thinking about what's my expertise. Yeah. I know about this, therefore I'm going to write about it. Yeah. You're saying that's not the way to do that. The way to do that is don't bother because no one might even search for it. And therefore, what's the point in writing about it? Because no one will ever see it. Yeah. Well, not quite. I mean, like we've experienced, actually, you can you can get lucky. So you might create some content um, on your site just because it's something that pops into your head and you think... This is this is relevant to my custom my customers or my my industry. I'm going to write this bit of content, um, and it might be a it might be a runaway hit, and you get loads and loads of traffic from it. You know okay. that, that that can happen, but what's probably more likely to happen most of the time is that you miss the mark completely, um, or that you could have used a slightly different keyword um, and got more traffic because more people use that particular keyword than another related keyword when they're doing a search. So there's loads that this is just, it's so critical. And the other part of your question there is, you know, you're letting Google tell you, well, that's, that's partially true, but the way this actually works is that you use particular keyword tools to help generate ideas, but you can, you can start that process. You can kind of seed that process with things that are relevant to your, your industry. So, you know, using these tools, these keyword tools, um, things like SEM rush or Ahrefs or Moz, you could, they've got their own kind of keyword research, uh, tools built in and you can go to that with just like a seed kind of keyword. And then it'll, 
it'll expand on that for you. And there's actually, there's other ways to to do this initial kind of like um, creating this initial master list of, of keywords. So what you want to do is you want to, you want to take your core topic. You want to break that into kind of subtopics, you know, list all of these out, uh, break each of those subtopics into further subtopics, and then put, start putting some of these keywords that you've come up with into these tools generate even more variations of that. So you've got this like huge list of potential keywords that you can target. And then the tools, what they'll do is that they can they can help you uh, determine how much traffic you might get from those keywords. So they'll be, they'll be able to estimate like the monthly search volume for that particular phrase, which is obviously useful. So you can start to rank things by, well, way more people search for this particular um, keyword than this particular keyword even if they're very very similar so in our in our field people probably search for web design more than web development yeah for example so you can you can start to get an idea of what keywords might be worth targeting just based on the search volume but what you'll probably find is that the keywords with the higher search volume also are much more competitive uh and those ones with the higher search volume tend to be kind of more generic terms. So if, if we, it would be difficult for us to rank for something like web design or web yeah. designer. That, that's, that's hard because there are millions of websites out there also trying to rank for that. But if we try to rank for um, recruitment web design uh, UK, you know, that's already like much, much more niche. And that is what we call a long tail keyword. So there's much less search traffic for that, but you're much, much more likely to rank for it. So, I mean, you can try your best to rank for that web design generic keyword if you want to, but you'll probably get nowhere near the first page. So there's no point. You'll probably get zero traffic from that, but you can go for that keyword that has much less search volume. And it it might look pathetic almost. It's like, well, hardly anyone's searching for that, but is it better to get is it better to get 10 clicks through to your website per month on a low volume keyword or zero clicks from a high volume keyword? So that's the idea of like targeting what's called like a long tail keyword. And one of the ways you can do that, especially in the recruitment industry is like local. Um, So, you know, if you're recruiting in a specific city or region, uh, like using that in your keyword, uh, if you're, what are the other ones? Uh, Industry-specific keywords. You know anything that you can add to make that keyword longer and longer. Obviously, you don't yeah. want to be targeting keywords where there's no search traffic for it. But and, that, and that's a balancing act, and it's something you kind of need to experiment with. But you need to find that kind of sweet spot between search volume and competitiveness to give yourself the best chance of actually getting some of that traffic. So, so the result of this keyword research is going to sort of tell me where to put my effort. What were, what's going to give me the biggest bang for my book. And when I say that, I don't mean paid paying for it. I mean, the time yeah. and effort you put into it and what you write and the content you decide to produce, you're going to, you're going to be making sure that that's the best chance of ranking highly for a specific keyword. Exactly. Um, and I think when you talk about thinking smart, like you say, you're not, you're not going to be able to rank easily for sort of like, you know, like, recruitment nursing recruitment or something like that but if you if you can then niche that down into like well, what types of nurses do you have and then do that yeah. then where are they based and yeah. then really try and focus your content around that really specific i think you called it long tail 
keyword. So it's like a, a long string of words that are going to really help you rank for that specific thing rather yeah. than just trying to rank for something generic, which is extremely difficult to do. Unless yeah. you just get lucky, which is and like it, we said. And this is super important in the recruitment industry because your average recruitment agency has to compete with these massive job boards. Yep. Uh, and these job boards will come to domain authority later on, but these job boards have huge domain authority. You know, Google, Google sees them as like an authority within this area and will therefore rank their pages just naturally higher than anybody else's. So it's going to be very difficult, nigh on impossible for your average small recruitment agency to try to take on someone like Hayes um on, on on a on a keyword so you've got yeah. to try to think well can i can i go can i go niche and get some of that long tail traffic because you're just not going to get the generic stuff or it's going to be very very difficult to yeah okay that's that's good advice i think um okay so we've we've done our keyword research we've we've got our keywords we know what words we should be or long tail phrases or whatever you're calling them uh, we know what they are and what they what we should be using. So yep. what is the next section we're going to look at in terms of this is called on-page SEO. Um, yeah. So this is the next thing that you want to be looking at. So these are specifically things that are on your website pages that you can yep. do to try and help your SEO ranking uh, get higher. So exactly. um, they're not off-site things. They're, they're not particularly technical things either. They're actually stuff that you've got on your pages that you can that you can improve on. Um, yeah. So first one of those for me, and this is something this is something we see so often when we actually look at pages that people have come to us for some help or some consultancy or whatever on the recruitment sites, and it's making sure that each page that you have has a heading level one element, pretty much at the top. It should be almost the first thing within the body, you know, um, give or take. And that is a sensible page title that represents the content on the page mm. and presumably contains some of those keywords that your research has told you that you should be ranking for, you should try to get in. The number of websites that we see that don't even have a heading level one on the page and search engines look for that heading level one as the marker that literally says, this page is about these keywords in this head in this heading, so so that that H one should always be present, and it should always include those keywords. Mm -hmm. That is something something that I've seen so often not implemented. It's either a H two or a H three, probably set because that was the, the they set it for for the look of it rather than the actual semantics of what heading level one means. Top level yeah. heading, everything on this page is about this thing rather than using a H1. And that's probably because page builders and the like allow you to kind of do it without using one, which um, yeah. is, a, is a problem. So do check your pages and make sure they have a heading level one page, on a heading level one tag as, as the heading for the page. That's super important. Um, similar to that, your pages should all have a title tag. Now, we as humans don't really see the title tag unless you've got a tab open and the title tag is displayed in the tag uh, in the in the tab at the top. So um, uh, make sure that you have a title tag, and again, make sure that it's sensible to what the page is about, um, and make sure it's got some of those um, keywords early in that title tag that you're trying to rank for for this particular piece of content that you're actually looking at. So that's important as well. 
And uh, finally on this bit is there is something called a meta description tag, which is essentially a short description. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it's 160 characters or less is recommended, I think. Mm. Um, something like that, yeah. And that should be a short introduction to the content that you are uh, looking at, the page itself. Um, now, this is not necessarily uh, going to help you rank in terms of Google. Um, that's I'm not entirely sure on that, but I'm pretty sure the days of Google using meta tags and people just used to put all the keywords in there to try and rank, they've kind of uh, certainly de-weighted that as a, as a ranking factor, if not removed it completely. But mm-hmm. what that meta... Uh, meta description does do is it shows in the Google search results as the little snippet preview under your link. So if it's got something that's encouraging users to actually click, then you're more likely to get clicks. The more clicks you get from a Google page, then the more ranking factor you're going to get because Google thinks people are clicking on this for this keyword. It must be useful. I'm going to increase the ranking weighting of this page. So I would uh, definitely recommend using that as well um, uh, to, to improve it. Yeah. Uh, other things for on-page SEO is making sure that you're using internal linking. So link to your own content if it's relevant to the page. If you're writing a page about uh, a, a topic and you have a blog post or a news article that you wrote last week, last month that's relevant, link to it in the in the article. And then Google will follow those clicks. If you're not linking to your own content, then Google isn't going to think it's important. So at least you can link to it as well, um, which is important, Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Um, And then the last thing to say on there is obviously using those keywords that you've researched in your content as well as in the title. Now, there's a difference here to the old technique of sort of keyword stuffing where you're just ramming all the keywords as many times as you possibly can. That is just dead in the water, really. But obviously, you need to have those keywords in relevant places in where it reads correctly to the user so that Google knows what that content's about. So those are some of the on-page SEO um, tips that, that you can do. Anything to to add on that, Keith? Yeah, did you uh, did you mention the table of contents? Ah, there, I didn't, it? yes. I'll just briefly cover that. So there's, there's some evidence to suggest that Google, and we'll come to, this is kind of linked into something we'll come to later about content kind of quality, but there's evidence to suggest that Google likes long content, uh, but it likes long content to be structured. And one of the ways that you can help Google understand what your page is about and the structure of your page is to use a table of contents. So what that would be is a list of links at the top of your document that link to the various sections of that page. So links to like all of the kind of headings, uh, the top of each section. And that, and this is all just kind of reinforcing everything you've spoken about there, Mark, all this on-site SEO stuff is basically helping give all of these hints to Google and say, hey, Google, this is what this page is about. You know, I'm making it obvious. Like I've told you in the H1, I've told you in the title tag, I'm telling you in the structure of the document. Um, you know, you can see the keywords sprinkled all the way, all the way through the document. This is what, this is what this page is about. Like, so you're not leaving it to any chance, like Google trying to scratch its head thinking, oh, I wonder what, wonder what they're talking about here. You're making it super obvious about what you're talking about and the questions that you're answering. Yeah, signposting out, which is good. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Really good advice. Let's move on to the technical part, the sort of technical SEO um, <clears throat> and things that you can look at in terms of a bit more yeah. technical, Keith. Yeah, I don't want to, in some ways, I don't want to go into this too much because <clears throat> if you're not getting the other stuff right, this this stuff's kind of like, 
the advanced level SEO, um, but it's still it's still worth covering because like in the SEO game, it's like uh, what's what's the phrase that they use in British cycling? Marginal gains. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's all these little things that will like just boost you by like. 0.5 of percent point one of you know one percent you know two percent just like little little bits hard very little of this is like an absolute game changer and technical seo some of technical seo maybe comes into this but so we're talking about things like url structure so url is like the the web address of the page that you're trying to optimize for now back in the day you saw lots of uh web addresses like domain.com forward slash p question mark or like question mark p equals blah 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 and this big like random string of like letters or numbers it doesn't mean anything like that doesn't that's not telling google anything about the page and it comes back to like the on-page seo stuff you can actually use your url structure to tell google about the content and the structure of your website so you want your urls to contain the keywords you're looking for and in the job world you see this on job boards actually quite a lot um, especially like the bigger ones and they'll they'll create these really co- like complex but kind of clever url structures so that it would be like uh, jobboard.com forward slash jobs in slash manchester slash marketing slash manager slash and then like the final like bit of that and they just like so you can create this url structure to kind of like help google understand exactly like what it's what it's looking at on that page. Now you don't need to go to those like extreme ends necessarily. It can be enough just to have, like I say, the page title and those keywords in your in your URL and like sufficiently kind of organized. So d- maybe you want your jobs under forward slash jobs forward slash, you know, rather than just at the kind of root level, just to yeah. Another hint to Google that this is a job we're looking at, you know. So it's like so URL structure is kind of important. Uh, similarly, sitemaps. So there's kind of two types of sitemaps, but I think primarily I'm talking about, and this is getting technical, uh, an XML sitemap. So this is like a machine readable, computer readable uh, file that just outlines the exact structure of your website, like all the pages posts jobs and everything that are on your website so you want one of those and you either want it linked to in your footer and or submitted directly to the search engines so uh like google search console for example will let you submit a sitemap um, of your yeah. site which is basically like saying to google here is my content structure please go and look at it you can yeah. view it all here and this is how it's set out and laid out for you yeah which yeah. is great it's probably worth mentioning, like, you don't need to worry about the technicalities of uh, an XML sitemap. Most SEO solutions, um, we're in the WordPress world, so we deal with plugins. They will build that for you and essentially just tell you, oh, hey, look, it's here at this URL. This is what you can, this is the URL you need to use to submit it to Google. Um, so you don't have to do that yourself, if that makes sense. Um, it's yeah. done for you. Another. Another uh, thing that comes uh, sort of comes under technical SEO, but it's just making your website mobile friendly. Now, this is something people have been talking about for like a decade or more. So it feels a bit outdated. It's like all sites are mobile friendly, aren't they? Well, actually, no, they're not. Uh, uh, And interestingly, um, one of, in fact, our site was one of our pages was flagged recently because it had links that were too close together. 
so that it's quite likely that you know your thumb or your finger would accidentally press two at the same time. So it's flagging up stuff like that. So even though our site is built responsively and it should work and look pretty good on a mobile, there's still ways that you know you can just absolutely make sure that it's as friendly as possible. And the mobile friendliness of a website is one of the few ranking factors that Google was very, very open about at the time. You know, it said that this will be a ranking factor. You know, if you're, we, we will, we will de-rank or penalize sites that aren't mobile friendly. So it's something to really, really consider. And you can, I don't know this site off the top of my head, but there is a Google tool, um, type in Google mobile friendly test, uh, and you'll find it and you can just put your website straight into it and it'll, it'll tell you, um, whether you're passing or failing that test or not. Yeah, definitely. Um, last part on the technical side is I think site speed. I think we're fairly sure that is a ranking factor that because Google do a lot of um, promoting of site speed and and offering mm-hmm. tools and tricks and techniques and tips to be able to improve site speed. So definitely something to think about is site speed and um, it, it is a factor and, and obviously it's not just for SEO, I suppose as well. It's you know no one likes a slow site, so you know the better just the faster you can make it, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are things you can do to audit your site speed. Google, again, have tools, um, and not just Google, actually. We tend to use Google PageSpeed Insights, where you can put your site URL in, and it will give you some suggestions as to things that might be an issue with it to that are slowing it down. Um, there's also, yeah. um, what's the other one? GT Metrics we use as well. That's quite a good site. It's, again, just the same sort of thing, and it'll give you some suggestions as the sorts of things you might need to fix. Um, mm. And... There are, and I'd suggest for fixing things, you know, there's probably some really low-hanging fruit that you can fix to really improve the the speed of your pages. Images are a massive culprit of that if you have, and we'll come on to those in a second, actually, but if you're coming on to, if you've got images that are not particularly optimized, they're going to have a a large proportion of the the size of your page. Mm -hmm. Uh, Making those better is going to have a big impact on the speed of your site, um, indeed. Um, So I guess that brings on to images. It does. Um, Let's have a chat about images. Images are largely on your site for engagement and to improve the look and feel of your content and to get people to engage with it. No one likes a wall of text. Um, Well, not many people like a wall of text. Um, And breaking it up with relevant images is obviously a good idea. Things to do with those in terms of SEO are... Uh, something on an image is called an alt tag, which is tags a bad word really. It's actually an attribute on an image um, on an image uh, element, the HTML element, and it's there for things or people or things that can't see the image essentially. And it should describe what the image is, what is in the image, what are we what are we looking at, if that makes sense. And that's used in screen reader technology for visual disper- visual impairment. Get the word right. Um, and also forget that Google is blind. It can't see your web page like we can see it. It can see the code that sits behind your web page mm. that your browser interprets and shows us. So it will be looking at those alt tags to work out what those images are, help help to index those images for the right keywords and things like that. Um, and you could even go as far as making the file names of those images relevant to what's actually in the image as well. That's that's next level stuff but it's certainly uh, um something that we've heard is a lot uh, is mentioned as something that you can do to improve the seo of the images but i think by far the most important thing is making sure that your images are compressed 
They are optimized in terms of their size, and I mean size in terms of height and width size. There's no point showing a 3,000-pixel image that fits into a 300-pixel box on the web page. It doesn't make any sense. Um, yep. It just takes longer to load. So make sure that the right size. Um, there's lots of techniques to use these days, responsive images, etc. cetera. Um, and a lot of the software that you'll use to build your website will do this for you, so that's fine. Um, but just check that it is doing. Um, but then there's also optimized in terms of compression and file size. You know, if you are dropping an image straight off your iPhone onto your web page, it's going to be a couple of megabytes, um, and you want to squash it down, make sure it's compressed as much as possible without losing quality so that it's a smaller file size and it takes less time to download to speed up your web page. So definitely looking at that with images is, is important. Um, let's move on to content, Keith. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm just frantically typing some notes. <laughs> okay, so yeah, content. So we've talked about kind of a lot of technical stuff so far. So we've done our keyword research and we've generated a list of keywords that we think we can compete for and that might generate us some half-decent, hopefully qualified traffic. Uh, we've kind of done some website optimization work. Well, now we've actually got to kind of write the content that people are going to be reading uh, and that not just people are going to be reading, Search engines are going to be reading. So one of the first things I would say is um, you have to keep, you have to write for humans primarily, and I'll come back to that in a second, but also for the robots. So we need to keep both of those kind of audiences, as it were, in mind whenever you're writing your content. Now, what I mean, what I mean by that, well, I mean, writing for humans, what we, used, what we have seen uh, less so today, but certainly in the early days of of Google, especially, um, and you still see it all the time, is what I would call SEO content or search engine content. So content that is primarily there just just to rank, you know, and not actually there to satisfy the reader. So it satisfies the search engine in the sense that all the right keywords are there. There are, you know, you've got your title and your H1 optimized. Uh, you know, the content is sprinkled full of the keyword. But actually, when someone comes to read that content, it doesn't actually help them. You know, and it's we've bit, everyone yeah. has seen this, haven't they? Like, yeah, it's, it's a bit it's, bland. It's a bit wishy washy. It's yeah, not particularly useful. Yeah. yeah, you you regret clicking on it. You know, yeah. you know, you regret the time you wasted. And what is <laughs> what Google is trying to do is to cut down on that because Google wants Google to be a good experience. You know, they want people to go to Google and to be able to find the information that they're trying to find. They don't want to serve up web pages to people that are of a low quality because it's not good for their own business model. So if you can focus on humans, um, then you're aligned with Google's objectives. Uh, and that's a good thing. Yes, there's always going to be little technical tricks here and there to like help get those little wins and those little boosts. But if you're primarily focused on people uh, without ignoring the robots, you know, you're going to be in yeah. a pretty good good place. So I always remember going to a conference, it probably was 10 years ago now, and there was an SEO person speaking. And she essentially said that. She said, if you're writing for people, then Google is going to like it, and essentially that's going to be good. You know, if you if you write good stuff, people will want to read it. And if people want yeah. to read it, Google will want to index it. And and there's other benefits to that, which which we will we will come to. Um, the next thing I would say is 
quality over quantity uh, when it comes to content. Now, again, there was a proliferation of content marketing, which was just put out content every day or every week, just like get something out there. Fresh content is key. You want your website to be constantly updated with new content. And so you would just see more and more and more of these short, bland articles. That is not going to win today because like the content kind of market, as it were, is just so saturated. There's already a hundred blog posts on any topic or more, thousands, millions on some topics. So just just churning out another low quality uh, post isn't going to cut the mustard today. So what we've got to do is focus on actual quality content. Uh, and again, what I mean by that is content that is going to satisfy the user's needs because a user, when they're searching for for content, they have some kind of intent. You know, they're they're either they're either looking to learn about a topic or answer a question they have in their heads, or they're kind of researching various companies, or they're trying to buy a product. They've got an intent. So if you can satisfy that intent as best as possible, uh, you're again you're going to win. Now, one of the one of the kind of signals that Google uses uh, to identify quality content over low quality content is length. So in Google's eyes, if you've, if you've got a 5,000 word blog post on a certain topic, it's probably more useful than a 500 word blog post on the same topic. Um, so that's one of the things that you can do is just try to write what, and you'll, you'll probably have seen this, like this kind of like definitive guide to such and such or ultimate guide to such and such. We've used this kind of trick ourselves. Um, so that, that's something to think about is to create these kind of like go-to resources instead of just like five quick tips about such and such. It's just like the definitive guide on such and such um, is, is going to make your content much, much more valuable to people because uh, people like that kind of thing. You know, they like to be able to come to one place and learn everything they need to learn rather than having to go through 20 different articles to, to get the information they want. Yeah. Um, I'd say as well that it's also obviously, I hope, really important that this is all kind of keyword focused. Uh, so you should be writing content around the keywords that you've identified. So creating landing pages or blog posts or whatever's relevant. And, and to keep this content relevant to your industry. So there's no point in writing an amazing article about used cars if you're a recruitment agency. You, know, you, might, you might get loads of traffic from it, but it's actually not doing your business any good. And actually, it's potentially confusing Google as to what the topic of your website is. So keep it on topic. Keep it relevant to your industry and your audience. Um, and then I think the last thing I think I'll say about content is that you can delete the old stuff and the stuff that isn't working. You don't need to have blog posts on your website um, from 2011. It's just, if that if that blog post is still ranking very highly and driving a lot of traffic, by all means, keep it around. But there's, uh, there is sense in, in culling uh, content that isn't working for you, um, especially if the whole point of it is, is for uh, organic traffic and it's not generating organic traffic, yeah. it's probably better just to get rid of it. And your analytics will help you tell you whether things like that are getting, um, getting traffic and getting, yeah. any, getting traffic to them. And just while we're in content, we've had a question in from Josephina. Thank you very much for your question. And it says, what do you think about AI content? Yeah, it's really interesting because hot topic. Ah, uh, yeah, hot topic. Um, 
I will admit to having used AI already uh, to help me generate content ideas, uh, blog post structures and things like that. For me, I think it's quite, it can be quite obvious uh, to whenever a blog post is written by AI. I saw one the other day actually. And I said to you, I bet that's written by ChatGPT. And I think you typed in the title of the blog post. The title of the blog post. And the headings were exactly the same as the one that was in the article. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's that easy to detect, uh, then machines are going to be able to detect it pretty quickly. And if machines can detect it, Google's going to detect it. But this this is like the Wild West at the minute. It's it's an absolute free-for-all. Uh, and I think this the whole search landscape is about to change because of things like ChatGPT. And I think Google's scared. Um, you know, they've they've rushed out their own AI tool recently, and it wiped off I don't know ten billion off their share price or something ridiculous because they kind of rushed it and got it wrong. Um, I, my my thoughts are use AI to help you write the definitive guide. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but you need to write it. It needs to be your and it needs to come across that it's your writing, and and sometimes that's what we're saying with that one. It was it was blatantly obvious that it wasn't wasn't written. <laughs> I was just lazy. You, yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't even good. It wasn't even good content. Yeah. You know, again, so it's just it's yeah. It's like like he said, it's all very new, and and it's going to take time to settle. But for me, there's nothing wrong with using AI to help you write good content. But you've got yeah. to write the good content, I, I think, and essentially, and because the things are going to get wise to that eventually. So uh, I've got another warning about. AI as well is that it's not always accurate. Yeah. So I have, I've used it previously and I've kind of questioned what I've looked at and I've looked into it and it's wrong because <laughs> AI, it's not actually clever. Like chat GPT has just looked at loads of text. And when you answer, ask it a question, it just says, have I looked at text that looks like this before? And it does its best to kind of figure out an answer. And it's very, very good at it, but it's not, actually clever and actually there's some evidence to suggest that it actually it actually makes stuff up sometimes uh i asked it once to come up with some quotes around a particular topic with citations uh and links and i i looked at all the links and the articles didn't exist now they may have existed in the past but if i just published that blindly that would have looked terrible because people would have been clicking all the links in my article and none of them actually work. Um, yeah. So be so very same... wary. Idea generation, really, really good. But yeah. don't rely on it 100% to no, write your you, content you've for You've got you. to be in control of it and you've got to be the one sense checking it, etc. Definitely. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the next topic um, quickly. I'm just, I'm aware of time. I've done 40 minutes nearly not, but, um, yeah. well, you know, we're probably going to do a bit more, but we'll see. Um, backlinks is the next topic. Backlinks. Yeah. I know backlinks are... Uh, <laughs> Really important, I think the key is, I think backlinks and the way in which people link to your content was kind of fundamental to how Google ranks your site, I believe, is, is one of the things that it's always been really important. If you have got lots of other people linking to your content, Google says, hey, that must be good content because people are linking to it. Yeah. essentially why you, why you should be trying to, to get backlinks. But I'll leave you to talk more about that because I know it's your... Yeah, your, well, it's, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's what Google was built on, the... Hmm. the uh, the USP of Google when it was invented uh, was that they came up with this really clever idea that the more people that link to a website kind of determines the quality of that website. Um, 
and that that was the original idea behind behind Google. Uh, and so it's still kind of the foundation of search today. And what what that kind of shows is obviously if lots of people are linking to a site or to a particular page on a site, it's showing that other people find that find that valuable and it's worth sharing. And so Google says, okay, well if you know hundred thousand people are linking to this thing, then it's probably pretty good. So we're gonna we're gonna boost it up the up the rankings. And it comes it comes into like domain authority as well. So uh, and th- and this is kind of this could really be a topic all by itself, but domain authority is kind of l- linked into like all this stuff that we're talking about. But it's essentially a score that Google gives your website. So the you know the BBC, bbc.co.uk right at the top top of the pile. You know things like Facebook, Google itself, these like authority sites that are just big big players loads of content, loads of people linking to them and visiting them every day. Whereas if I spin up a new website tomorrow, Google's never heard of it. Nobody's linked to it. Nobody's visited it. It has no domain authority. So domain authority is something you build up over time. But one of the ways to build that up is with backlinks. Um, so how so do we, how, how do we generate the backlinks? Is, I guess? How do, is the, how, oh, great, Keith. How do I get people to link to my content? <laughs> well, that is the really, really hard bit. Um, the first part of the equation, I would say, is what we just talk, talked about in the previous topic, which is quality content. Because people won't link to bad content. There's no yeah. reason to. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if you're just pumping out loads and loads of low-quality stuff, you're not going to generate the backlinks. Like, why, why would you? Why would someone share... Um, why would someone share that content to their own audience? It'll just make them look bad. So the first, the first thing is to to have that quality content on your website. The next bit I would argue is harder than that because quality content is hard enough. But the next bit is getting people then to link to that content from their own sites, um, and that's that's a lot harder. So if you want to take this really seriously, it probably involves some outreach, and there's some there's some different techniques to identifying kind of backlink opportunities as it were um you know just off the top of my head really you know guest posting that's that's what guest posting is all about so i could go on a recruitment industry uh website blog write a blog post for them and the deal is that they give me a link back to our website so that looks good for our website because that blog is linked to us so there's there's things like that you can about what we're about that's, exactly that's well. it's pretty important that backlinks are from a relevant industry um again there's no point i'll use the same kind of example there's no point in your recruitment website getting loads of backlinks from a used car um website it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't help google think oh right yeah these guys really know about recruitment so, yeah, yeah yeah so, so what yeah. about sharing on social media because we see a lot of content which is great being shared on social media surely surely that can't have as much weight as it has when you link it no. from an actual website with, with well, domain authority. But surely it must be a good thing because it gets people to read your content, which we've already decided is the definitive guide and it's awesome. So therefore they're going to make yeah. it more encouraging to then share it on their blogs, websites, et cetera. Search, search engines say that social media sharing numbers aren't a ranking signal in, all, in and of themselves. Yep. Which I think is kind of like half a missed opportunity, but I can see why because I think it'd be it'd be really easy to game 
because there's all these like social media bots. They're not real people. So like I, if, if I was an SEO company, I could just set up hundreds of thousands of bots and just share all my clients' content all the time. So it, it, it'd be easy to game that system. Um, but what, what social media sharing can do for you is like you say, get more eyeballs on your content. And once there's more eyeballs on your content, there's more likelihood that people are going to share that content. Yeah. Not just on social media, but like with backlinks from their own websites. Um, so it, it certainly doesn't do any harm. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing on social media is he's got to mention YouTube because I think someone said it's the second biggest search engine behind mm-hmm. behind Google, really. And yeah, if I ask my kids, you know, the kids, my kids come and ask me a question, Dad, 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 what's the what's what's this? And if I say to them, well, you know, go and look it on the internet, I don't know, or I'm trying to get them to do some research. The first place they go is YouTube. They don't go to Google. They go to YouTube and they type it in. They'd rather watch the answer than read the answer. I think is the key. Yeah. Um, so produce some content for YouTube because actually people might find it on there. Recently, we have had two inquiries that come to us and we always ask the people, how did you find us? And both of them said, oh, I saw some content on YouTube. Um, I was watching this video and then I got in touch with you. Mm. So it really does have some benefits. So I think uh, look at YouTube. Is there some content that you can write on there that's going to be of benefit to your to your audience? Again, using those keyword rules and things that we talked about right at the start, keyword research. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to job board SEO, which is kind of really getting into the nitty gritty of recruitment and and what you know the sort of specifics of SEO for recruitment. So you're likely to want to have, and I would encourage you to have a job board on your website. Um, and the key here is it should be on your domain. So if you are you know wonderfulrecruitment.com, then your jobs should exist on that domain, not really on jobs.wonderfulrecruitment.com, because Google sees it as a different domain as a different website and it doesn't carry that same domain authority that we spoke about before. So they should really exist on your own site and probably at slash jobs slash whatever the job is, if that makes sense. And even Um, worse, Mark, if it's on a different domain entirely in terms of like it's your agency name dot job board provider.com. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the the sort of uh, ATSs and CRMs and things like that have their own sort of job board yep. providers, and they exist at you know, you know, wonderful recruitment dot or whatever it is, and it just doesn't have the same same authority. So put the job board on your actual domain. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things to think about is we've talked about this on a previous episode, so I won't go into too much detail about it, but making sure that you've output the correct structured data on the pages, which makes your uh, jobs more likely to be uh, registered or indexed in Google for jobs. So when someone's searching on Google for jobs, uh, your jobs can appear in those search results. Um, so think about adding adding those things. And in particular on this one is something we see a lot. A lot of people come to us and say they're not being indexed, but they have structured data. And the reason for that is because it's structured data is A, not valid, so it's been written wrong, or they are missing some of the required fields for structured data. Um, so they've got lovely structured data, but they're missing an element, and Google is likely to come along and say, well, you're missing that. I, w- I need to know that it's required, and I'm not going to index it. So look at that for sure. Um, then something that you may not have heard of is the Google indexing API, which is essentially a method for telling Google about your content that it should be crawled, And this is specifically for content that doesn't last a long time. So you might have a job and it lasts on your website for for two weeks. So 
the idea is it's posted today and it'll expire in two weeks. So we need to make sure that Google has indexed it as early in that period as possible. Now, depending on your site, it might be that Google comes along to your site every three weeks to index your content. Um, you know, if it's the BBC website or if it's Facebook or whatever, it's going to come a lot quicker because it knows us content all the time and it's a high domain authority. But if yours is only getting content indexed every three weeks, there's a high chance that it's not even going to index the job before it actually disappears. So what the Google indexing API allows you to do is for short-term short content like jobs is to tell Google about it straight away when it's posted, and then Google can come along, crawl, and then hopefully index it. Um, it is worth pointing out, it is not a guarantee that Google will index it. It is simply a flag to say to Google, have got this content, please come and crawl it, and then hopefully they'll decide to put it in the index uh, into the into the to the listings. So that's something to look at and something we had a lot of success with recently with a client. They into, in, integrated this and it made the jobs appear much, much quicker into the Google for Jobs system. So something to look at there. Uh, and then the last thing on the job board, which is kind of specific, is how to handle expired jobs. So from our point of view, um, the best way to do this is to handle them with a 410 error, which essentially means gone. <laughs> It doesn't mean 404, as in the contents disappeared, which is not great because it was there. Um, it just means it, it was here, it's gone. It, it's one of those pieces of content that has this expiry. So that's what I would recommend doing on that. So usually what happens is you'll have some, uh, your software will run a run a sort of a job every day, check, all, check for the expired jobs and mark them as expired. And then when someone loads one of those expired jobs, you'd show them the 410 error uh, on the, in the browser, basically, um, and put a sensible message on the screen. You know, this, this job has been expired, et cetera. That's mm -hmm. what we'd recommend there. So that's job board SEO and specific things about job boards, which you should be aware of. Um, yeah. Next thing is common misconceptions, I think. Let me put that title on the, uh, on the screen. Yeah, I think we've covered... I think we sort of covered most of this already, but I just I thought it might be interesting just to try to think of things that people, yeah, preconceptions people had about SEO that actually maybe aren't weren't ever valid or aren't valid anymore. Uh, I came up with three. So the first the first one I've covered. So I would say uh, the common misconception is quantity over quality. So just put out loads of content. And what I've said previously is. I would disagree with that because you know the market saturation. So today I would say put out quality content over quantity content. It's probably better to have three blog posts that rank really well than it is to have 300 that don't get any traffic. Um, my second kind of SEO misconception, and this is actually one that I think nearly most, most people that come to us, most people that we've worked with um, probably hold, and that is that if they build the website and and we as developers do our technical SEO bit, then they'll rank well. As in, yeah. we'll just build it and they'll come. We'll just we'll create a website. We'll put some content up and we'll just sit back and wait for you know wait for it to shoot up the rankings. It just it just doesn't work that way. Um, it it takes it takes effort um, unless you're lucky. You know, there's there's always there's always edge cases. Um, but it takes effort and it takes deliberate effort. Like, you know, start with the keyword research uh, and work work down from there. Um, 
And it, yeah, like I said, and actually, ultimately, if you're taking this stuff seriously, you know, there's there's almost no point in doing getting your web developer to do any of the technical stuff if you're not going to like do the good content writing, do some backlink outreach potentially. We didn't really cover that, but have a look have a look at that. Um, so yeah, the, the whole build it and they'll come thing. It's just you know. You can't just say we want to rank high on Google anymore. That just doesn't it doesn't mean anything. There's there's a lot more to it. It's a process. It's an ongoing process as well, which is super important. Uh, and the last thing, and I think this is kind of obvious to most people these days, it's just keyword stuffing. So don't do your keyword research and then just stuff the page, the title, the H1, like all of your paragraphs, all of your links on a page uh, with the same keyword. It just it reads badly. Uh, it comes across as really spammy to Google. So they'll potentially penalize you if they think that's what you're doing. Um, so definitely don't do that anymore. Like I said, write primarily for humans, but with, you know, with the robots uh, in mind. I think there's yeah, I think any, any others for you, Mark? I don't know if you have any. I just wanted to clarify because we've mentioned a bit of, you know, like put keywords in your content. The difference between keyword stuffing is, you know, there's sort of like you used to see the sentences on websites that were like, you know, we do web design London. And if you're into web design London and you're in London and you want some web design, then we do, you know, that sort of thing. And just yeah. really, it just read, read silly. And, and that's kind of what we mean by keyword stuffing. Yeah. Um, yeah it just doesn't work anymore. So there's no point with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was good. Um, so, Tools, quickly some yeah. tools that you might want to use. Um, I think we've been putting some on the screen if you're watching this uh, yeah. during the show. Um, but I know there's some tools you've used, uh, which for, for sort of our site and our business, so what, what were they? Yeah, what were so there's, some, I guess, some tools and resources. I think um, we need to follow this up with a blog post, which I'll, I'll come to at the end of the show. Um, it's a much better place to kind of share things like tools and resources. But just kind of off the top of my head, really, um, so if you're doing keyword research and just generally uh, working on SEO, there's, I think, be fair to say, there's kind of three big players in that market. Uh, they are uh, SEMrush, S-E-M-R-U-S-H, uh, Moz, M-O-Z, and Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S, um, I would say are probably the three big players. And, and that's like, they are like whole suites of SEO tools. So within that, you've got your, uh, keyword research tools, you've got your uh, content writing tools, you've got your uh, competitor analysis and your domain authority tools, your backlink analysis, everything, everything in there. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely check those out. Uh, SEMrush is the one that I've, I've used most often. Um, Google themselves provide a whole suite of really, really useful tools, as you can imagine. Uh, Google Trends for like looking at like the trends of keywords, PageSpeed Insights gives you like loads of insights, not just around page speed, but around uh, SEO best practices, accessibility, all kinds. Uh, Google Search Console, getting your site hooked up to that, that'll that'll flag errors like it did with our site with the mobile usability um, error. Um, so those are some of the big tools. Then there's blogs. Uh, I've mentioned it a couple of times already. The Backlinko blog uh, is incredible. Um, I don't know. Yeah, if you if you got it on the screen there, Mark. It's on the screen now. Yeah, back yeah. I would I would check out that particular URL. Um, if you're listening along on the podcast, it is backlinko. So backlink with an o on the end. dot com slash hub slash seo. 
Uh, and that really is <laughs> a definitive guide to SEO, not recruitment specific, but you know, most of recruitment yeah. SEO is just general SEO, like we've like we said already. Yeah, and then there's so, two. There's two. I think you might put these on the screen, so forgive me, but there is two that are on our site as well. I'm going to plug our blog as well, obviously. Um, we've got a, a, a post about SEO recruiters guide, which is the, the links on there. It'll be in the description underneath, and also yeah. one specifically about structured data and how that works and how you need to set that up on your site yeah. for indexing your jobs. And that, the, both those are on our blog, which is highrise.digital slash blog. Very good. So takeaways. Yeah. Concluding. So we covered a lot of content, didn't we? Um, we did. So maybe it's so worth just skimming. It's worth just summarizing um, yeah. that sort of thing. So the first and most important stage is to do your keyword research. Find out what those things are that uh, you're going to be able to rank for. And then you can focus your efforts on making sure that the content that you do write gets gets a best chance of getting ranked in the search engines. So that's the first part of that. Um, and probably the most important, really. So do take that seriously. Mm. Um, try and learn some of the SEO basics. We've covered a lot in this particular um, show today about the things that you can look both on-page, off-page, technical SEO, things like that. So try and learn some of those techniques as well in more detail using some of the resources that we've shared in today's show. Um, think about quality content over the quantity that you write, long-form articles, you know, lots of words. The definitive guide to X is usually good and better and more likely to be ranked than some short form stuff. Um, make sure your jobs are on Google for Jobs using structured data. And um, another little plug, Keith is going to be writing um, a, a, <laughs> a definitive SEO, I presume it will be, on the yeah. recruitment websites. So do look yeah. out for that on our blog coming in the next few weeks. Yeah, um, it's I, nearly I, it's nearly written. It's a beast. Yeah, I've seen the outline. So. It's um, it's well on its way, isn't it? So that's good. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's that's all from us really today. If you have any recruitment SEO website questions, then get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer your questions if possible. Maybe we answer them on another show if you can get a list of questions from people. Who knows? Um, but do do um, do get in touch with us about your recruitment website SEO questions. We can try and give you our insights. Where should people get in touch with us? How, how Mark? Well, it'd be great if you could follow us on LinkedIn. I think that would be really good. Myself and Keith are obviously on there. We've got the High Rise Digital um, company on there. You can follow that. That's where we're posting these shows. We also have a recruitment website show page. Um, which we'd like you also to follow. We want to obviously eventually be able to put these live shows on that page, um, but we can't do that until LinkedIn allows us to do that and we have so many followers. So yeah. that would be really good if you could follow the recruitment website show as well. And of course, you can also get in touch on our website, highrise.digital slash contact, I believe. Yes, I believe you're right. Great. Um, well, yes, I hope, hope everyone find that, find that useful. That's a... A long show today, but it's a massive and important topic. Um, so hope you gained some insights from that. We will be back again with another show topic to be decided same time next week. Hope to see you there. Bye-bye.